T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Whatever the Vegas odds were showing about the Red Sox back when they were 11 and 17, I'd advise you to pay that no mind. Three of a kind, one on Wednesday, three threes, not in Vegas, but the polar opposite of Vegas. Three three run innings in Minneapolis, and what a glorious bounce back from the 17-inning loss the night before. It caps a 5-1 and one road trip. The Sox have now won 7 of 8 overall, looking very 2018-y as they head home to play a team that is 15 games behind them in the standings. 9-4, to four, the happy final on Wednesday. We'll get into it. Now. It's your Daily Sox Podcast. It's your Daily Sox Podcast. It's where you're going to find out what the Sox are doing. It's your Daily Sox Podcast. It's your Daily Sox Podcast. Oh, it's your Daily Sox Podcast. And here's your host, Josh Boy, at least it wasn't a day game after a night game, huh? Can you imagine? The Tuesday night game ended around 2 a.m. Minnesota time. A noon start the next day would have been a, a trifle inhumane. Josh Lewin with you. This one was actually a 7 Central start. It had great weather. Uh, the end of a road trip that started with a sweep in Baltimore and then 2-1 and one in Mini. Yeah, should have been 3-0 and oh in Mini, but you'll take it because against the good teams this year, well, against the Astros, you went one and two and one and two. So far against the Yankees, 0 and two and one and two. The last couple series against Tampa Bay, 0 and three and one and two. But now Minnesota at their place, you just went two and one. And you might remember last time they played 17 or more innings and lost on a walk-off. The Red Sox bounced back quite nicely, and they did it with Eddie Rodriguez on the mound, if I recall. Of course, that was. Game four of the World Series, where Eddie fell behind 4-0. He was spiking his glove after the Yasiel Puig home run, but the Sox rallied. They won 9-6. This one in Minneapolis, well, again, there was Eddie on the mound falling behind. There were a couple long home runs hit off him, but no spiking of the glove. There was a comeback again, and once again, nine runs scoring total. A further rewind from Tuesday before we get into Wednesday. You know there were nearly 500 pitches thrown in that ridiculous game? 487, to be precise. 74 swings and misses. There were 100 outs. And finally, 4-3 to in the 17th inning. So, with the bullpen just gassed, they needed innings from Eddie Rodriguez Wednesday. And he gave them 7. 111 pitches to get there, but he got him there. First time since 2015 that Eddie's gotten more than 18 outs in a game, two straight starts. He threw a lot of fastballs and changeups. He kept it nice and simple. He retired 11 of the last 12 that he faced. And remember, the Twins came into this series with the highest scoring offense in the game, but they have been held to four runs on 20 hits over the first uh, 26 innings, first couple games of the series. And unfortunately, you had to figure it was only a matter of time before the ticking time bomb would actually detonate all over the upper Midwest. Eddie was not good early in this game, but he did figure it out. 
And the last 11 starts for Rodriguez now, the Sox have won nine of them. Scores have included 9-4 to four and 13-2 on this road trip. Back in late April and early May, there was another 9-4, to four, there was 11-4, and 15-2. So the guy does have an ERA of four and three quarters, but he's also 9-4 and four for the year, including the two 9-4 wins. And he's up to 93 innings, which is on pace for you betcha, or yeah, you betcha, since the game was in Minnesota. Uh, 200 on the dot, exactly what he said his goal was back in spring training. Barnes is scoreless eighth, Walden is scoreless ninth, and that was very nice to report as well. As for the hitters, and they did very well after the one for 13 runners uh, in scoring position total the night before, make it seven out of 13 instead on Wednesday. And the first seven hitters in the order had 12 hits combined. Mookie had two hits, including a triple. Devers had a couple of hits, but also his right hamstring tightened up on him. He had to leave the game early with his batting average up to 307. Keep your fingers crossed that the off day will be all the rest of Devers' needs on Thursday. Nunez, Devers' replacement, he went two for two with a pair of doubles. Michael Chavis, couple more hits. He's now back to a 261 batting average. And can we get a hand for Brock Holt, the perennially, perpetually underappreciated Brock Holt? A season-best three runs batted in in this one. His batting average is now better than Devers'. He's at 308, which really happened in a hurry. All in all, even though it again took a good long time to dock the boat, this was a three-hour, 25-minute game unnecessarily, uh, it was a 9-4 to win and now a chance to make their move at least on Tampa Bay. I know they're still six and a half back of the Yankees, but they've gotten to within three of the Rays. The Sox are now 41-35. and After the game, Alex Cora in a pretty, pretty, pretty good mood. Um, it was more aggressive uh, in the edges of the strike zone. Um, I know we like him to, to to pitch and be more aggressive, but you know, I think he found his four seamer halfway through the game, and he was relentless again. You know, fastballs up, changeups down, good two seamers to lefties. Um, um, you know, if it wasn't for that beginning we had in the eighth, he was going out for in the in, in the eighth. We felt that the stuff was still playing, and we had some good matches coming up. Um, uh, the last two starts for him. Um, we needed them, and going deep into games and, and, and giving us a chance to win, and uh, we're very happy with the way he performed. You think he's, um, he's performing as it was better than expected? Uh, no, no, we expect great things out of him. Um, we know the talent and the stuff. It's just a matter of putting everything together, and, um, you know, he had a good one in Houston. The last two, uh, I think he's been more consistent. Um, it's just a matter of use his weapons where he should. That's the most important thing. And, and the last two, he's been amazing with that four-seam fastball. Can you tell about the offense? <clears throat> I was joking with them, very professional-like. Uh, it was it was a good win, very quiet, you know, kind of like uh, just do the right thing and play the game the right way. And all of a sudden we look up and, and we had the lead. Uh, we had chances to put him away early. We didn't, but then in the eighth inning, uh, with the triple and Benny going the other way, we score and we kept going. So it, it was a good, good win. How's Devers? He's okay, day to day. Most likely, we'll stay away from him on Friday. He'll get treatment uh, to, uh, tomorrow. And uh, you know, I think uh, he said he was okay at first, and then when he got to third, I'm like, nah, nah let's not take a chance here. So he came out of the game just in time. This was this, this tough. Uh, Schedule-wise here, you know, what does it mean to take two out of three here and kind of go into the off day? I mean, it's been a topic of everybody that, you know, it's, it's a team that 
they got 40 whatever wins and the best record in the American League. We came here and, you know, um, yesterday we played a great game. We bounced back today. We won the first one. Uh, they, they have a good team. They have a good team, but we do too. And uh, we're playing a lot better lately. And now we go home and we know we have to play better at home. That's the next uh, step, the next challenge. You know, we got, what, six games. So go over there and then start dominating in Fenway. These last two starts for both times, you needed him to go deep in the games. How much is that a sign of his maturing? No, he, he he understands, and it's not like he wants to go five and two thirds or whatever. But uh, even when he gave up the runs, he wasn't going to come out. So uh, it was a matter of him giving us a chance to win or giving a lot of runs and going deep in the game, regardless. So uh, I think he liked the giving us a chance to win and, and get that W. So. Uh, He's been good. He's been good. It's just you look at his starts early, and there was a pitch here, a pitch there, hit by pitches against the Rockies in the seventh. Um, you know, I think stuff why he, he's maintained his stuff throughout the season, and uh, we expect, like I said, great things out, uh, from him. Is this the most you saw him kind of rely on his fastball and changeup? And not the last two, the last two starts, yeah, the last two starts. Is that put on purpose, or is that just how it's? I think that's the, that's his best fastball. You know, and uh, sometimes he gets away from it, um, you know, with a cutter and the sinker, all that. You know, I think, you know, you rate the pitches of, uh, of of those guys, and you throw it as much as possible. If you do that, there's a pretty good chance you're going to get people out. All right, so there's a manager, and since everybody's all happy about a lot of things right now, for good reason, uh, let me take the room down a little bit. Let, let's let's bring the lights down. And, and let's get in a different mood for just a moment because I've been holding off on this. A segment that I, I used to like to call in New York when I worked there, What Grinds My Gears? Uh, and that's because Howie Rose, my partner, great guy in New York, every once in a while would just kind of turn into the, uh, the Long Island curmudgeon and he'd start talking about what frosts his flakes, you know, just kind of what gets on his nerves. So we created a segment called What Grinds My Gears just so we could kind of get it off our chests So here's what's been grinding my gears the last few days, and might as well get it out now, because who knows? The Red Sox go on a nice long uh, win streak at home. There's not going to be a lot of time to complain. So let me do this now. Number one uh, would be umpires with their jockeys in a knot. Uh, And obviously wondering who's in charge of the MLB Umpires Union Twitter, if not a sixth grader. Uh, No one I know listening to this podcast is a fan of Manny Machado, I understand. But what the hell? with this response to uh, MLB quote-unquote only suspending Machado for one game. He threw a a bit of a fit over the weekend in Denver, I grant you. He and Bill Welke had a little thing. But it wasn't any bigger or smaller than a a typical player-umpire disagreement. I saw the video of the incident. I actually thought a one-game suspension was a little harsh. The umpires wanted more. They went quite the other way on this. Uh, They threw an embarrassing social media hissy fit that really should be the first step towards MLB figuring out a way to blow up this union once and for all, or at least take their Twitter privileges away. Hashtag stop it. All right, uh, grinding my gears number two. I'm almost out on defensive metrics now, and I'll tell you why. And I want to love this stat because I I really do get into some of the the newfangled stats. I'm not an old stick in the mud on this. I'm really not. But... I just watched Jackie Bradley Jr. and listened to Jackie Bradley Jr. uh, this last road trip making play after play, Spider-Man, Bo Jackson-style catch in center at one point, but most of the time just taking a great route, never having to leave his feet. So the Poindexters here who run these sites that do the defensive metrics, uh, they've got his defensive war, wins above replacement, 
as 10th among center fielders. They've got Ramon Laureano at 9th, by the way. They've got both players with a negative rating. They say Laureano has costed Oakland a win, and uh, Bradley has cost the Red Sox two wins with defense. How, how is that possible? Byron Buxton, the twin center fielder, has supposedly been worth 11 wins, plus 11. Kevin Kiermeyer, six for Tampa Bay. Harrison Bader, seven for St. Louis. Child, please. Harrison Bader's defensive wins above replacement is somehow 14 times better than that of JBJ. What would Willie Mays have been for San Francisco? Would they have said that he, he cost the mid-60 Giants like 20 wins a year? I just, I, I can't get my arms around it. I just, I just can't. All right, so as long as we're on newfangled stuff, here's grinding my gears number three. Those who say you should never, ever be bunting to beat the shift. I say exactly the opposite, and not just because the Cardinals match Carpenter bunted for a double the other night. In football, if somebody says we're a passing team, and the other team decides, all right, we're going to have zero linebackers and seven defensive backs, would you not hand the ball to your running back every time because you get nine yards every time at least until they make an adjustment? Basketball, you're, you're, you're a three-point shooting team. You've got Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, a 1980s Steve Kerr, and the 2006 version of Ray Allen. And you've also got, I don't know, Wally Zerbiak. So the other team literally puts five defenders on the three-point line to take away Curry and the rest of them. Wally Zerbiak is wide open in the lane, no one within 15 feet of him. You don't feed him for an uncontested layup? Of course you do. You score two points every single time down the floor, and eventually the defense changes. It has to. And if the argument is, well, Wally Zerbiak can't hit a layup, uh, if you can't hit a layup, how are you in the NBA? And I say it's time to apply this to baseball. If you can't bunt, and all due respect to Max Scherzer, who with three different facial colors because he'd broken himself trying to bunt in the batting cage, if you can't bunt... Step aside. And I'm not talking about David Ortiz. If you want to explore that from years ago, uh, it's a great book. The Shift by Russell Carlton has a 31-page chapter on that exact question. Should David Ortiz have been dropping down bunts all those years when he saw The Shift? It's a very complicated maybe, but I don't have the time or interest in reading those 31 pages Uh, of chapter five out loud on the podcast. I will tell you that evidence suggests that when backed by the shift, pitchers throw a lot more balls than when there is no shift. And and doesn't that wipe out the benefit of shifting in the first place? You may have prevented a ground ball single, but either you've given up a walk or steered into a hitter's count, so the guy crushes a double. And someday somebody's going to figure out this tangled web of the shift. But, But until that day happens... I say, unless you're David Ortiz, unless you're a guy that can hit 50 home runs a year, if you're a, oh, I don't know, five to 45 home run a year guy, if they're giving you the entire left side, drop down a bunt every once in a while. Life will go on. All right, final thing to tell you here to grind my gears, speaking of Ortiz, and I hope you guys have been following this a little bit because I don't want to make this a TMZ podcast. But 11 suspects now arrested in the Ortiz shooting case in Santo Domingo. And the word from the police department down there is Ortiz was not the intended target. These 11 knuckleheads actually wanted to off the guy sitting next to Ortiz, who looks nothing like Ortiz, and they somehow pointed a gun at Ortiz and shot him. It's like asking me to believe that you could walk into the Bellagio in Vegas and mistake Liza Minnelli for Carrot Top. 
it, either way, Ocean's Eleven, this was not. Uh, I mean, this whole boondoggle. And, and if you want me to believe they were aiming for the five foot six inch squirrely looking guy, and just by mistake, pop David Ortiz instead, I, I'm out. I'm just out. And I think we're all just glad Big Poppy's going to be okay. But it's like Sarah Sanders' new gig is now press secretary for the Santo Domingo Police Department. And I, I didn't mean to get off on that rant and get political, but I just, come on, come on. It's annoying. All right, so let's turn our attention to something better. Toronto's coming in. It's a three-game weekend series, and uh, I get to be back in the booth, so I'm personally excited about that. Friday, Chris Sale, best 3-7 and seven pitcher in the history of ever, with his ERA down to 3.49. Ten strikeouts, at least eight of his last nine starts. He's up against a guy who's got a 4.36 ERA, Trent Thornton, who actually just beat Houston in Houston 12-0 last time out. Sunday looks like Marcus Stroman Day, the electric 5-8 Stroman, who got into it with Chavis and Cora and Sale up in Toronto, so this reunion will be fun. Toronto's 26-47, and 47, dead last in batting average and on base percentage in all of baseball, but they've got the, the sons of thing covered to make them a fascinating team, even though they kind of stink. Kevin Biggio, Craig's son, a pair of two homer games just this week. And uh, Vlad Guerrero Jr., as you probably know, is a monster just like his dad. Speaking of original Vlad, OV, uh, you would have thought that he would have worn out Fenway over the years. That big club of a bat, the big violent swing, taking dead aim at that wall and left. But would you believe three career regular season home runs in 169 Fenway at-bats, 189 plate appearances for original Vlad? He, he did have one in, in Game 3 of the ALDS in 04. I'm not counting that one, although the Sox ended up with a sweep on their way to the World Series that year. But if you just do regular season Fenway at-bats, or, or we'll do plate appearances, three home runs and 189 tries. Rusny Castillo, six home runs and 184 regular season tries at Fenway. That's an amazing stat that I spent 25 minutes digging around for today. Rusny Castillo and Blake Swihart and Alejandro Deaza among the players with a better career Fenway slugging percentage than Vlad Guerrero Sr. Baseball's weird, man. But for what it's worth, uh, Vlad Sr., 318 career hitter, 449 home runs, nearly 1,500 runs batted in. That's pretty amazing. And anyway, here comes Vladdy 2.0. So hope you're making plans to be there Friday. Hope Rafi's got an okay hamstring. Hope Chris Sale is still the May and June version of Chris Sale. If that all happens, it could be 8 out of 9 in the win column as of Friday night. So there you have it, a 9-4 to final in Minnesota. And now I feel better having vented to you all. And and thank you for hearing me out. Talk to you next time. It's called Sox Daily. My name's Josh Lewin. Appreciate you. Bye-bye. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com.